Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan. For the fans of the Houston Astros, here is your host, Rob Fontenot. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Astros Baseball. Today I'm joined by senior pitcher from Florida State University, Jake Sudreth. Jake, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So right now, let me start with this. I'm, I'll just start off asking you this. Your season got canceled and you're a senior so how is that going for you? How, do, how, how are you taking that? You know, everything really was just kind of crazy. I mean, we played, played Tuesday and Wednesday, and apparently Wednesday, it, it's, I imagine that everyone in the athletics department knew we weren't playing that weekend because we had a meeting the next day. And during that meeting, we found out that the other team wasn't coming. Mm-hmm. And really, it was just, it's been crazy trying to see if we have another year left, what, what the dynamics is going to be, what's happening. Um, so really, all I've been able to kind of do is, you know, just hope that we got that year back and doing whatever you can and, you know, parks to play catch with, with a friend or um, trying to work out in in our backyard because every gym's closed. Mm-hmm. So you being a senior, if uh, I was actually surprised they stopped it too, because you still had a little bit of time left, but it seems really crazy that there's not going to be a college world series or a softball world series, which I'm a big fan of. I really enjoy watching the, the girls play. That's really enjoyable. But, uh, did you uh, have you had any? I mean, have you gotten any interest from professional teams as far as getting drafted? Um, I mean, I definitely wasn't. I mean, in terms of, I mean, higher prospects. But you know, I had talked to, um, I had a couple in person meetings in the fall, a couple teams, um, and I had received, I mean, about ten questionnaires now from from different teams. I had actually gotten a questionnaire from a team. About two days before they shut everything down. Hmm. So, I wonder when you're going to find out if, I mean, if they canceled your season, from what I've read, it doesn't sound like they're going to give it to y'all again. So, it seems, I mean, I think it's unfair, and I think they're robbing you guys of a of a season. I don't think it's fair at all. Um, but what do you think is going to happen going forward with you? came out with the ruling uh, yesterday that we all got our eligibility back. You don't uh, get it back? We all do. 
Oh, you do? Okay. I had thought I'd read that you don't get it back. Yeah, as of yesterday, we all got it back. Um, oh, well, that's great. However, with that ruling, um, we don't apply to like the 11.7, um, 27, and 35 like scholarship and roster limitations. So essentially, all of these schools are just going to have buildups of rosters. Mm-hmm. for all the returning seniors. Um, so really, it's going to end up having 42 to 45-man rosters if schools have seniors that go undrafted, especially with the draft being shortened. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of kind of creating a crazy thing that no one's ever had to deal with before that every single one of us is doing it the exact same time that no one else has ever had to do before. So what are your feelings about them cutting the draft down to five rounds? I was talking to someone the other day and they said it was just a matter of the owners trying to save money. Personally, I mean, I feel like the owners are the one group of people right now that, that have all the money. Right. Um, I don't understand exactly why they shortened it to five rounds. Um, the, the one point I do understand about it is that you no longer have the minor league season going on right now. There aren't as many people to replace, to replace in the programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so from, from that respect, I do understand um, where they're shortening it, but shortening it to... So five or ten rounds, and then the signing bonus restrictions that they put onto it, um, it, it really just is kind of crazy. And you know, didn't understand it, especially especially looking at it as someone who is a draft prospect, um, kind of sitting there thinking everyone else has um, everyone else has like the resources really to to help pay these players, mm-hmm. um, especially especially these guys that are guys that could have been looking at a couple hundred thousand dollar signing bonuses that would have been a sixth round pick. That kid's going back to college right now. And say his school's $40,000 and he would have gotten even 60000 in the draft by paying an additional 20000 to go to school assuming he's on a half scholarship mm-hmm. and losing $60,000 that kid's out $80,000 now. Hmm. So what is that season? Um, I know when you get drafted, they go straight to, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of it. I can't, you know how, I, I guess it's like a shortened season that the college kids go to right away. And uh, so that's, I, I didn't even think about that being taken away as well. So you make a good, you make a good point of, you know, if they did draft all these guys, there's really nowhere for them to go because there's not even a there's not even a season. But they did come out recently. I think I saw this yesterday that the they're going to pay the minor leaguers four hundred dollars a week, or is it four hundred dollars a month? Uh, I, I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Well, then neither one of us knows, so I really can't bring it up. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, a lot of people are saying that's not that's not enough money for them. And I, I know the minor league guys, you know, they have a pretty rough life. And uh, so is that something 
What, what did you think about that, knowing you were going to go into that? Um, yeah, really, for me, it's always just been about, I mean, A, my love for the game. Um, but really, it's just always been about trying to make the best of like the abilities that I've been given. Mm-hmm. No matter what it's in, whether it's school, whether it's baseball, being a good person, whatever it is. Um, I mean, really the money motivating factor isn't the thing that has kept driving me. Right. Um, so, I mean, it, it isn't the reason that I wanted to play professional baseball. Um, even just knowing, I mean, even going into it right now, knowing I'm a fifth year senior. The likelihood of getting a high signing bonus wasn't very high anyways. Mm-hmm. However, by the end of this summer, I'll have my master's degree. So no matter what I do, I mean, I'll, I'll still be able to be set up to, right. to do something with it. But right now, my focus is on baseball. Um, do I think that the minor leaguers are, you know, extremely underpaid? Absolutely. I know there's guys out there that are that are getting two bedroom apartments and sleeping five guys in a room on twin mattresses, yeah. just stacked next to each other. And I know there's people out there living in their cars, um, just so they can have the money to eat better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's just the trade-off, you know, of of pursuing your dream, but. I don't know. I just, as a kid, I remember uh, we had a triple A team in my town and those guys would uh, substitute teach during the off season. And I always, I always, I always thought we were super lucky when we got one of those guys. All right. So let's go back. Let's go back to your beginnings of baseball. How old were you when you started playing? Oh man. I I had been five. Maybe six. You started out in T-ball? Yeah, I played, I mean, I played T-ball maybe at five, started coach pitch at six, and then I started playing kid pitch at seven. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, so I started playing in second grade, and I'm so old, we didn't have the coach pitch or the machine pitch or anything. We actually had to do it ourselves. And uh, that's what I did. For some reason, I was the pitcher. I guess I threw good. And uh, But anyway, so you started T-ball. And uh, I, guess, I guess my question is, since you are talented enough to be a college pitcher, when, at what age did you realize that you were pretty good? Um. Well, it's kind of a harder answer to give straight up, too, because I started <laughs> off, I was born in Illinois, mm-hmm. and then I moved out of Illinois when I was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. We moved out to Arizona. So in Illinois, I mean, the talent for baseball isn't nearly what it is in Arizona. Oh, okay. So in Illinois, I was, I was one of the best players everywhere. Everywhere growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could go out there and pitch, and, and it felt easy. I mean, especially as a kid, um, but then moving out to Arizona, it's like, okay, that player that's really good, that, you know, every 
every travel team in Arizona has, or in Illinois has, you know, a good team has its four or five good kids. Mm-hmm. Go out to Arizona, and every team has nine or ten of those. I mean, you have entire teams where where the entire team is looking at the possibility of being on a Division One roster. So did you play any? Did you play any other positions besides pitcher? Um, I played played outfield and then uh, first and third until until about my junior year of high school and then senior year I was just pitcher. And you're a right hander, right? Yep. Okay. Um. So you go to high school, and I'm assuming you were pretty good there. And so what? What grade were you in when you started receiving some uh, interest or some offers from uh, different colleges? Um, it really wasn't until about my junior year. Um, I did not throw hard at all mm-hmm. until until really my senior year. Uh, my junior year, I was 85, 86. Um, had had some Ivy League school interest over the summer. Um, I talked to a couple of schools. I talked to Air Force. Um, but then other than that, I didn't have interest from a single D1 school. Um, when went into that uh, went into that fall um, through a bullpen for Hawaii Pacific University Division Two school, and they offered me about a full tuition scholarship. Um, ended up committing a couple weeks later. So by by the early signing date in November of my senior year, I was already signed um, to go to Hawaii Pacific University. Oh yeah. So is there? And then I was gonna say, uh, when you're a senior, did you throw faster or harder, whatever you want? My, se- my senior year, I probably beginning of the year was still. 85, 86, had, had some command issues the first, I mean, third of the season. And then something just clicked. Um, and then 85, 86 started turning into 87 to 89. Um, touched 90 a couple times, touched, touched 91 once or twice. Mm. Um, but really it just kind of, kind of clicked. And, and that's when, you know, at that point, I was like, you know, if I would have waited, maybe I would have ended up at a different school. Who knows? So you uh, committed to Hawaii Pacific, and there was no change in your mind, or you had already well, committed? Already oh, you already signed. So it wasn't like a verbal. So you were already there. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, I guess for if I was a kid in high school, I would be pretty excited about signing in Hawaii. Yeah, downtown Honolulu. <laughs> uh, so, so you go to college. Your first season, you're in Honolulu. What is what is it like? What's your first impression of being in Hawaii? Um, you know, I, I had the opportunity as a kid um, to go out there a couple times on vacation. Oh, got okay. to go to the Pro Bowl as a kid. It was real cool. But it's completely different living there. Um, just, I mean, it's kind of surreal being able to, you know, hop, hop on a moped or 
whatever and go 10 minutes and you're at the beach. Mm-hmm. Especially being in Arizona where if I go three hours in any direction, I hit nothing but desert. And I go out to Hawaii and I go 15 minutes and I'm in the Pacific Ocean. Um, the one thing that was different though was that our school did not have its own athletic facilities. So we practiced in a public park. Wow. Our game field was actually a different public park that was further, but it had a stadium built around it. How many fans did it hold? Um, you know, it could probably hold 2,000 or so, but it wouldn't get more than a couple hundred. Oh, yeah? So was it uh, the college life, all that it was all, was it all that it was cracked up to be? If that's, I, can't, I guess that's the saying. Um, I mean, you know, my, it's kind of different because their school is so diverse there mm-hmm. um, that the majority of the students were actually foreign from Europe, from Europe or Asia. Um, so I mean, really didn't know a ton of people. Besides, I mean, kind of the athletes. Mm-hmm. So you're there all alone. How, how was it uh, first time being alone there at school? Um, you know, actually, um, so with my pitching coach, uh, my pitching coach out in Arizona, mm-hmm. um, there were actually four of us that came from my pitching coach all to that school that year. Two mm-hmm. were junior college guys. Um and then two of us from high school. So I was able to go out there with a couple people that I had at least already known. Um, but, you know, honestly, didn't have any, didn't really have an adjustment period with it. Hmm. Um, trying to get out there on, on my own. Um, kind of enjoyed it. All right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your freshman year. Were you able to pitch your freshman year? Was there any red shirting or anything? Yeah, I re- ended up redshirting. Um, so I used to throw, I used to pick up a real high glove hand, um, like Mike Fetters. Um, he was actually my old pitching coach at the time. And when I got out to Hawaii Pacific, the pitching coach there, I'd never met him before, didn't go on a visit. Um, he didn't like it, and he tried to change it. He would have me play catch holding a five-pound dumbbell in my left hand and, like, holding it up against my chest uh-huh. as I threw. Huh. And it didn't, didn't end up having any serious injury or anything, but the arm just didn't feel, didn't feel good. Ended up dropping down to about 84 miles per hour again, red-shirting, um, and, and really just from a baseball standpoint – um, wasn't a great experience. Well, that's pretty crazy that they would bring you in because they like the way you pitch and they try to change you. I know that's something that happens and sometimes it's for the good, but yeah, I still don't understand that. I kind of, so you redshirted your freshman year and mm-hmm. so your red shirt freshman year, did you get some uh, so, games in there? Yeah, I ended up, that summer, um, that summer while when I'm playing the West Coast League, um, uh, out in Washington, and I was about 45 minutes away from where Driveline's facility is, 
Titans driveline um, in between games that I would throw. Mm-hmm. A couple hours before I had to go to the field, I'd drive 45 minutes there, work out for a couple hours, and then drive 45 minutes back to be at the field three hours early for a 6 p.m. game. Mm. I would do that, um, got the velocity back up, got back up to sitting 87, 88, touching 91 again. Um, and then I, I ended up going to Mesa Community College in Arizona um, for my redshirt freshman year. So you never went back to Honolulu, I mean, the Hawaii no. school? Nope. Oh, so now you're a freshman in Arizona? Yeah, redshirt freshman at, uh, at Mesa Community College in Arizona. Did you leave Hawaii because of what happened to you your freshman year? With the dumbbell or the um, coach, or what? What led to you to leave? Um, really, just kind of a, a mixture of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really like being, you know, kind of stuck there after a while. Um, you know, you go through living in an island. You have like a short period where it's like, oh, this is awesome. Like, right. I love being able to do this. Um, but kind of later on. Um, especially as a redshirt when all you do is practice and go to class. You don't get to travel. You're not playing games. Everybody you know is leaving and traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, it got kind of hard. Um, and just kind of decided I wanted to have, have a fresh start with it. Um, be able to get back to doing the things that made me successful my senior year of high school. Um, so decided to go to the community college route. So you talk about your experience living on the island. Um, I think my son has the same experience as you. He was in, he's in the Navy and he was stationed in Guam. And I, I was just telling him, man, you're so lucky. It's so awesome. But he hated it. And, you know, someone that doesn't live there just can't understand that. And you kind of explained it pretty well. So now I can kind of see why he thinks that. So let's talk about your freshman year in Mesa, Arizona. What kind of year did you have? So in the fall, um, Mesa Community College's head coach, um, he's been there for about 30 years now. Real old school guy. Every Tuesday, um, every Tuesday we would have to run a mile in under six minutes or you didn't get to practice for the next week mm. until you finished that mile in under six minutes. And we'd have 5 a.m. waits on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And and he just, he pushed everyone. It wasn't a real, like, wasn't a program where guys were out there being flashy. We practiced in, in great pants and great cotton t-shirts so he could see us sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, went through the fall, and about halfway through the fall, they were trying to get me to drop down from that arm slot. So they weren't telling me to hold a dumbbell to my chest. They just told me I had to lower my arm slot, um, but didn't really tell me where. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a ton of instruction to it. Um, basically told me um, about midway through October that if I didn't change my arm slot, I was probably getting cut. One day in the inner squad, an assistant coach who um, he wasn't, he wasn't there too often. Um, 
especially in the fall, but in games he's there all the time. And him and I actually have a, have a better relationship, um, especially now. Um, he took me to the side in between innings and said, here, I want you to copy how I'm throwing. Play catch with me right here. And he threw sidearm to me. For me, a guy that was straight over the top, sidearm was like low three quarters. Yeah. That's just how it felt. And then he said, now go out there and pitch like that for the second inning. So you pitched so the first inning and then played catch with him and changed the way you were throwing? In between innings. Wow. Yep. So how'd that go for you? Um, you know, I don't remember the exact results, but I remember I remember him asking the hitters, like, like, how was that? Is that harder to hit than what he was doing before? And they were like, yeah, I can't hit that. <laughs> um and my ball, my fastball started to started to run again, started to run arm side. So um, tried to pick up an old, an old cutter that I had thrown I mean, years before, and being at a low arm slot, it turned into a slider. We started off spring. Um, we would do line up bats against each other, but we'd have to tell the hitter what was coming. Mm-hmm. We would throw two to three innings. With my new fastball that would run and my new slider, I would throw three innings telling the hitter what was coming, and I would strike out six of them. Wow. And, and it just it got to the point where, um, really, it was just kind of easy. Baseball got back to being fun again. Um, I went out there that season, led the nation in appearances, led the nation in saves. Um, I now hold the single season and career saves record at Mesa with uh, 16. I was one away from the conference record and like four away from the NJCAA Division II all-time saves record. Um, and just one season. Wow. We played Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday games. If I didn't throw Tuesday, I pitched Wednesday. If I didn't throw Friday, I pitched Saturday, no matter what the score. Um, if games were close, I'd pitch both both games in a doubleheader. Um, I actually tied the single season saves record in my second game of a doubleheader. Um, beginning of the season, it was, you know, go out there and um, go out there, you're only going to throw one or two inning tops. Um, but toward the end of the season, my head coach basically came to me and he was like, look, the second we take the lead, you're going in. I would get brought into a game, the seventh inning, full count, bases loaded with two outs. And my coach would tell me, all right, throw your slider in warm-ups because that's what you're throwing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I really didn't even ask you that if you were a starter or a reliever, so you kind of answered that for me without even me asking. Mm-hmm. So you had a good freshman year, and what about your sophomore season? So um, in about April of that year, uh, my retro freshman year, um, I was talking to a handful of you know big-time school or not big-time schools, but a few power fives, um, talked to Iowa, talked to Alabama, talked to Ohio State, um, UNLV, um, and BYU. Things kind of fell through, um, especially with the travel. Some of these schools come out and watch me, except 
BYU. BYU ended up giving me a full tuition scholarship. So, you know, going from D2 program to a junior college where you wear cotton t-shirts yeah. in D2 program, we got five cotton t-shirts as our gear um, to being able to have the opportunity to go to not only a Division One program, but a Division One program with great athletic facilities. Wow. Um, I, I, I committed pretty early. Um, ended up going up there on a visit. They flew me in for a game. Um, and they were like, look, the one thing that we need right now is a bullpen. And ended up committing there. Yeah. Um, signed a month later. That summer I went up, um, played summer ball in the Alaska Baseball League. Um, won the Alaska Baseball League for the Matsu Miners. Um, that, that team was absolutely loaded. I think we had 12 draft picks already so far from that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's BYU. BYU. Um, Went to the fall, sitting probably 87, 89, touching 90, got into the season and started off the year as in a setup role. We had a senior who was a closer. Um, and in week two of the season, he, he hurt his shoulder. He hurt some small muscle, wasn't the rotator cuff, wasn't the labrum, hurt some small muscle in the back of his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And it was in like the 10th inning of a game actually at University of Hawaii where my old coaches were there watching. Um, ended up coming to that game in the 10th inning, got the save, got the save the next day. Um, and from then on, or at least from this point, I was the closer now. Ended up throwing games at, throwing a one-run game at Auburn and the game that Casey Mize threw. Um, had a couple more saves, came into games, um, ended up having a three and two thirds inning appearance from the ninth to the twelfth inning um, at home, and had like six strikeouts, um, six strikeouts with just one hit, and you know was having a pretty good year, and then ended up having a an ingrown toenail that I needed surgery for and couldn't walk for a couple of days. Came back from the, or I tried. All right, folks, we're back. We had to take a quick break for uh, our sponsor there. But anyway, Jake, you were talking about an ingrown toenail? Yeah, so um, I had an ingrown toenail that, you know, I would I would pitch. It was on my big toe and my back foot. So every time I'd push off, um, I would finish games and not be able to walk. Um, wow. I would, I'd be limping in, into the locker room after a game. And ended up having a, having a surgery to get it taken out and couldn't walk for a couple of days afterwards. Um, and I didn't pitch again until maybe the second to last week of the season. I travel, wouldn't get sent to the bullpen, wow. and just didn't throw again. Um, end of the season, I think I had like a 3 8 ERA, um, like 26 or 28 strikeouts in like 20 innings. Um, not a lot of walks, but I had 12 hit by pitches. Um, just could 
So BYU lost two closers in one year. Yep. So you uh, did you finish the season? Yes, I ended up finishing the season. Um, I think I threw a couple outings towards the end of the year. Um, but in terms of health-wise, I would have only needed to miss maybe a game or two mm-hmm. um, until until the recovery would have been fine. But they didn't throw me again. Huh. So your soft so your sophomore season is over. Yep. And uh what what'd you end up doing about your uh well I mean you're a senior now, so obviously you've had you had to have done something to your toe. I mean what did you what did you have done to your toe or how did you get that fixed to enable you to continue pitching? Uh just I went to a doctor and actually had them like surgically cut out the toenail um just the entire part that was ingrown they like cut it all the way out the entire distance of the toenail um Hmm. to make sure that it grew it differently um so just couldn't walk on it for i mean two three days um and and you know here at ingrown toenail it's like, all right, come on, that's not a real injury. Right. But when you have to push over it, um, when it's the inside of your back foot, you have to push over it, mm-hmm. especially with the force that a pitcher is trying to, you know, drive towards home plate. And you're doing that 30, 40 times per game and doing that repetitively. It, it you know, walking around in a normal day would never have a problem. I haven't had a single problem with it then. But... You know, just driving over repetitively um, started bothering me. Um, and, you know, went, went out that summer, pitched in the Northwoods that summer. Um, no problems there. Um, probably threw 10 to 15 innings in the Northwoods um, for the St. Cloud Rocks. Came back to BYU. And in November at BYU, I was cut. You were cut from the team? Mm-hmm. Why did they cut you? Um, really, um, I had been, I showed up like two or three minutes late for weights that day. Um, but in my opinion, I think they were trying to kind of clean house. Um, a lot of the guys that were there the year before, because they went from their first regional appearance in 15 years to not having... I think we won 22 games mm-hmm. the year I was there. And from the roster that was there when I was there, I think they've gotten rid of maybe five to ten guys that they just didn't bring back. Hmm. Uh, what, what excuse did they give you? Just that, you know, they were like, you know, we couldn't couldn't do that with like the senior or with like the seniors and the leadership. Like we wouldn't want them to turn their backs on us. Um, so that happened in November. Um, and so I've had torn cartilage in my wrist for a couple of years. Um, I had a cortisone injection about a month before that. Um, it's in my left wrist though. So my glove wrist, not an issue. Um, every now and then it gets a little bit annoying, but, you know, no, no big, no big problem. And they essentially told me, "Hey, if you want to medically redshirt, 
um, and we'll take care of the wrist. We'll do the surgery. You'll go through rehab because it probably would have been like a two or like a two or three month rehab period. Um, you get medically redshirt and come back. So for a little bit, I thought I was going to do that, um, but I was training at the facility called uh, Norton Performance up in. It's about thirty minutes away. Mm-hmm. So I would play catch with a plyo ball. Um, baseball way plyo ball into my underground parking garage thrown against a concrete wall um, I would throw bullpens with the turf mound in like a basketball court gym throughout the entire winter um, thrown into a net and was working out two hours a day throwing and that took 19 credits in like the, the semester from January to May so another short semester in like the summer, like eight week semester, and then another one from like July to August. That's another eight week semester, so I could graduate. Uh, so I could graduate early. And this is still at BYU. Yep. Oh. I took all those credits, and in February, I posted a video on Flatground app or on Twitter, tag Flatground app, tag Pitching Ninja, and. I got 30,000 views. This is in like January or February. Got like 30,000 views saying, hey, I'm going to grad transfer. And within a week and a half, I had 25, 30 direct messages from college coaches, um, mid-majors, NAIA, P2. um, But I also had four state. Washington State, Kansas State, um, Arizona State, all these schools direct messaged me from this video because um, I was changing my mechanics. I went from having kind of a longer arm path to kind of shortening and doing what Joe Kelly did where he shortened his arm path. Um, essentially, I did that on my own watching videos. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so what... Then, yeah. What? Oh, I was just gonna say. So, what did you just? What did you decide on? Where did you go? Um, ended up. That's where I ended up going to Florida State. Um, talked to them for a couple months. Um, they came out and watched me throw a bullpen, and uh, the pitching coach over there last year. Um, he's not there. He's not the current pitching coach now. Um, with, with uh, Mike Martin Jr. taking over, um, we have a new guy. Um, but the pitch coach over there last year was like, look, we want you. We want some coming in. Um, and he told me he had me sit 91, 93. I had never broke 91 in my life before that day. Hmm. So you end up going to Florida State your junior year. That was last season, right? No. So I was not, this was, uh, this was like last May. So I didn't play that year, but I was a full-time student. So it wasted my junior year. Oh. So you have, so, so this I season was Florida your first State year at Florida college. State? Yep. Oh. So how was this season going before it got cut short? Um, I had kind of gone back and forth, um, having good outing and bad outing throughout the fall. Um, and I had one bad outing. Um, I mean, one that kind of stood out um, towards the end of the fall, um, just in terms of strike percentage, really, I mean, never really got hit. Um, 
know what's beating me. Mm-hmm. So I actually had not thrown yet this season. Only I had only thrown in inner squad scrimmages, um, but you know, still, still had seven or eight teams that have reached out to me, pro teams, mm-hmm. just based on seeing these inner squad scrimmages. So how many? How deep into the season was college baseball before it got canceled? We were 17 games. 17 games already? Mm-hmm. And uh, how was everybody taking that when they found out it got canceled? I know I asked you this at the beginning, but like kind of overall, like the, you know, like your teammates and stuff, yeah. how, did they think it was going to just be stopped for a couple of weeks and then were shocked to know that it just got canceled altogether? Yeah, so we had a meeting Wednesday. At, uh, we had a meeting that Thursday at 3 p.m. where the meeting ended and they were like, all right, the ATC is going to allow us to return to play in two weeks. And we're like, all right, sucks, but like, like we'll be back playing in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Then the ACC gave us four different news that said indefinite. So we're like, all right, this is going to come down to the NCAA. And the NCAA is meeting in an hour. Or the NCAA is meeting had just started. So we're all just kind of hanging around the locker room like, like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Because mm-hmm. we had already seen the news that the Ivy League shut down. Because they were the first ones to go. And, you know, I think it was an hour later we had our meeting starting at 4. But five minutes before the meeting start, we're all just sitting there in a circle, uh, circle around, and we see the news pop up that there's no championship. College World Series over. And our entire team's sitting there like, what's the point? Like, we, we play this game to have a chance to, you know, compete for championships. Mm-hmm. That's why people go to Florida State. Right. So, I mean, that's, that was one of the largest driving factors. Because you get to play the best guys every day, a top competition, and that, and that goes from whether you're playing an inter-squad scrimmage, playing against, I mean, just pitching against your own team with, with our guys that are all great players, or, or you're playing against the other ACC or SEC competition. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot of our guys, especially the seniors, I mean, we, we were crushed, didn't know what to do. It, it, it just didn't even make sense. Because it's like, you, you look at it and you're like, no time ever in, in really top, like college athletics history mm-hmm. has anybody ever had to go through this before. Nope. And, and we're sitting there like, like, why us? Why now? Especially because we beat Florida two days before for their first loss of the season. Huh. So when I first heard about college sports, I, I actually heard about the basketball that they were going to play all the conference championships and empty stadiums and a Final Four and empty stadiums. Uh, did you did you hear anything about college baseball continuing playing but in empty stadiums? Yeah. So we. Well, we had been told, like, kind of earlier in the week, um, we kind of expected that 
that shifts like that might happen. We expected that we might start going to, to playing in front of just immediate family members. Mm-hmm. Those have been like the only people allowed in the stadium. Um, that's just kind of what we heard. Or we also heard our head coach told us, you know, there might come a point where we have to play in front of empty crowds. Um, but, you know, you guys, we, the way we practice and the way we scrimmage, like, we have to be able to create our own energy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were, we were getting prepared to, to go through that, to, to play in empty stadiums, to play a top 15 matchup in a 6,000 person stadium with no one there. So when they were talking about not playing, well, playing basketball without any fans, I know that the uh, basketball teams feed off the energy from the fans, but um, when y'all are playing college baseball games, does the home crowd give y'all a good advantage? Oh, absolutely. Um, I feel like especially with, I mean, especially with some of these bigger programs, um, I feel like there's definitely that advantage there. Florida State, we have, they, uh, they call themselves the uh, Section B animals, or the animals of Section B. Mm-hmm. And they have their entire own section, so they have they have different chants when our players walk up to the plate, different chants for you know, different situations. Um, and, and really just the energy of the stadium. Um, th- 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 I mean, these fans know I mean, kind of like what point is too far, um, but just having even the even the ability to you know maybe potentially rattle some of the some of the opposing players um, or or whatever the situation is, or just build the energy or be behind our guys when you know we need a big pitch, um, just things like that. I mean, I feel like there's definitely a really big advantage there. Um, the more energy and support you can have behind you when you're getting ready to uh, getting ready for one of these big moments, kind of helps you, kind of helps you feed off of it. Kind of builds a little bit of an adrenaline factor. Um, I think even some of our guys throw harder in like these, I mean, big adrenaline moments. So moving along a little bit to Major League Baseball, I'm gonna ask you a question about that. At the beginning, they were going to halt Major League Baseball for just two weeks, and I would assume they would just throw those two games at the end of the season. And now they have – I mean, I don't know when it's going to start or even if it is. Some people were saying that this stuff is going to go so long that it may even wipe out football. Um, So anyway, I'm just – I'm going to ask you about – Major League Baseball, not really about them stopping. But let's go back. Since this is an Astros podcast, are you a, a fan of any Major League Baseball team? Yeah, I'm, uh, so I'm actually, I mean, I've spent half my life now in Arizona and half in Illinois. So, I mean, slightly favor the Chicago White Sox, but it'd be the Chicago White Sox and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh, Okay. You know, I was kind of looking forward to the White Sox season this year. They, you know, they're 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 trying. You know, they're picking up some mm-hmm. some decent talent. And uh, I guess this is a good question I can ask you. I've asked someone before, but 
you, you have someone like Mookie Betts or some people that are on their last year of their contract. I mean, these guys are all free agents. Uh, these guys, like uh, the Dodgers, have to pay Mookie Betts like twenty, like I, what is it, thirty million or twenty five? It's something like that. But he may never yeah. play one game for them, and I think that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, with all these guys that are signed as free agents, like I mean, I know we just mentioned the White Sox. The White Sox, I think, signed a couple guys to contracts that were one year deals. Um, like Steve, I think Steve Ciszek was signed to a one-year deal. What happens with that one-year deal if we don't start until July? I don't know. Or I mean, August. From what I know, it, it, it's is, a crazy thing to think about. Yeah, I mean these these guys might get get paid thirty million dollars to to play. I know not everybody makes that much, but you know, like thirty million dollars for their year, but they only ended up playing half a season. And, you know, some of the older guys like Justin Verlander, I know he makes like 31 million. So that's pretty good amount of money for half a season. So going back to the Astros, which is my team, uh, do you remember hearing about them uh, doing the trash can banging and all that stuff? Were you, were, you, were you shocked? I mean, like me, when I first heard it, I didn't believe it. Um, how, how has that affected you as far as ma- watching baseball? I mean, it just it's no effect on you at all? You just kind of think the Astros are the New England Patriots of Major League Baseball now? <laughs> um, you know, really, I mean, I feel like, I mean, guys in the dugout trying to take signs, has always been, I mean, it's part of the game for, for guys to be, you know, try to pick things up. Um, so I feel like there's definitely, there's always people looking for some sort of competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, personally, I don't think you should, you should use, you know, like technology to gain it. Um, but, you know, that they're not the only team that's used technology. There's people using Apple watches um, or people using different things to to gain some sort of an edge with different things. Right. Um, the other the other teams just haven't. I mean, granted, I don't think it's every team out there, but yeah. the other teams just haven't been caught yet. Yeah. It, it's kind of it's kind of something I I look at, um, especially now. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if if, if teams go away from that now a little bit. Um, especially knowing that, you know, the MLB knows about this now and maybe looking for it. Um, but, you know, the, the one thing that that is kind of upsetting is, you know, that the Astros have so many talented guys mm-hmm. that knowing that it happened or it has been proven to happen um, or, or whatever the case may be, like with with that level of talent, you just want to see what they could have done for real. Yeah, I agree with you. Or, or how much of an impact that truly had. Yeah, some of them were trying to say it didn't work, or they tried to stop it, and they were being steamrolled, and all these different things. But I mean, all it really would have taken is for one of those guys. I mean, there, there was probably like forty people 
on that roster that season because of inner, I mean, of uh, injuries, but nobody came forward. And then Mike fires is looked at as a hero, but he was doing it too. I mean, like, yeah, he stepped up, he put his name out there, but why didn't he do it when it was happening? If he was that bothered by it. So I don't know. It's just a, a big deal and I'm ready to get over it. And, and for the Astros, I know, they were probably wanting the season to get over with so they could get through this. And now all the, now all the people have to wait to boo them. They might not get to boo them overall. (laughs) So the Astros have this, they just want to get this cloud. And I feel the same way. Let's just get it over with. Boo us, hate us, get it over with. And, but so a lot of Astro fans have that opinion, like, okay, just hate us. Go ahead. We're the bad guys. And they just want to get it over with. And uh, a lot of people take that as that we don't care, that like it didn't bother us that that happened, but it did. It bothered me a lot. So, yeah, and you know, that's the thing with being, being a sports fan. Yeah. I mean, being a player, being a fan, you know, things happen and you're, you can be more, you can be bothered about something and the thing is, if you let people know you're bothered, that's kind of when they like to try to keep going with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just kind of act like something doesn't bother you, I mean, even as much as it does, I mean, this is something that I've kind of learned as a player that, you know, if a fan's sitting there trying to heckle you or, or say different things to you, right? you just got to act like it doesn't bother you. Um, and at some point, they'll stop if they think that what they're doing and what they're saying doesn't get to you yeah that's just all they're doing now is turning it around like you know like we're proud of these cheaters and i don't know i just don't so uh so your season's not going to start we have no idea what's going to happen uh but if base if so you are you did get the other the extra season correct and so what what would factor in your decision uh, to, of going back to school for another year or going pro? Obviously, you have to, someone's going to have to want you, but. You know. It, where do you think, think you'll be hardest, next year? It's kind of what I'm asking. You know, as of right now, I would say either Florida State or playing somewhere in the minors. The problem with. Florida State right now is I don't know what I could study. I'm finishing grad school mm-hmm. this summer. So uh, if, if so you're, you're a player to, to graduate and then finish grad school and still have eligibility. So if you're a, a graduate and you're playing sports, do you still have to take classes? Yeah. You have to take something, yeah, right? So, you have to be a student. Now I'm uh, after I graduated at BYU. I've been taking, I've been getting my master's, but I'm gonna have my master's in four months, five months. So it comes down to what can I possibly do now? Yeah. Do I have to get a second master's degree <laughs> or a, a PhD or go to law school? Like. Nobody's ever been a college athlete where their teammates 
might have to call him Doctor by the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, they can give you a nickname with the, with the name Doctor. <laughs> yeah. So what, are, what is your master's degree going to be in? Sport management. Sports management. So let's say baseball doesn't work out for you. What do you want to do as a career? Um, you know, as of right now, um, I've always I've wanted to be a sports agent for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the intention to go to law school is there uh, to potentially be an agent. But I think kind of with my journey and with everything that I've been able to learn, because um, I was, I changed my mechanics and learned all these things about working out and getting stronger through Twitter and connecting with different different guys out there, like different people in the baseball community. Um, so I might even potentially pursue, you know, the the player development route or trying to be a GM or work in the front office of a team. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of with everything I've learned, kind of kind of gained a passion for for player development. Sounds good. Sounds like you got it all figured out. So even if baseball doesn't work out for you professionally, which I hope it does, it uh, looks like you're going to be in good shape. Yeah, especially, you know, just try to stay around, stay around the game, you know, but I appreciate that and, you know, just kind of, who knows what's going on and, and really everyone's career right now, especially these amateur guys and just whatever it is, you know, want to stay around the game and stay around sports. Well, all right, Jake, I appreciate you uh, being on the podcast today. It was an interesting conversation. I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, well, it was fun. Well, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. We'll see you later, folks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Make sure to subscribe so that way you will be alerted when there is a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.